Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hello and welcome to episode number 64 of Date Yourself Radio. My name is Veronica Grant. I'm your host and I'm a love and life coach for smart, ambitious women who feel like they have it all except for that one thing. All right. And before we get started with today's amazing interview, and I cannot wait to introduce my guest to you, I wanted to announce a brand new sponsor of this podcast. So one of my life mottos is to learn and grow. I'm always trying to learn more and grow more. And to do that, I do a lot of reading. And Audible is one of my favorite ways to read on the go while I'm walking my dog or driving to a private yoga client's house. And Audible is giving all Date Yourself Radio listeners a free audiobook download with your 30-day trial. So to get yours, go to audibletrial.com forward slash date yourself. All right, so when you're listening to this podcast, I am either somewhere over the Atlantic or I'm already in Lisbon, possibly on my way to Spain with my fiance, Stevie. And I tell you this because so often we scroll through social media, myself totally included, and we see beautiful pictures of people's travels or just something really beautiful in their home they take a picture of. And then we start to wonder, oh man, do they have it more together than I do? Are they happier than me? Are they better than me? What should I be doing? What am I not doing that they're doing that they can create these beautiful pictures? And I've got to thinking a lot about that because, you know, over the next few weeks, if you follow me on Instagram, and if you're not, I'm at Veronica E. Grant, I'll probably be posting a lot of those gorgeous pictures from our travels in Spain. And then we're coming back into Portugal for a couple weeks for the Jewish holiday of Passover. And it got me just thinking, you know, the other day I posted a, a post on Instagram that got quite a bit of response. 
And so I just wanted to share it with my podcast listeners that I just kind of posted a selfie. I wasn't really smiling. I honestly looked a little bit tired and run down in the picture. And honestly, that's kind of how I felt. I had a long day. I didn't have my normal schedule of where I'm trying to move regularly and do yoga or run. I had been really busy with with just getting some work done and some things around the house to prep for a move. I hadn't showered and I really stunk. And I didn't really have any food prepped in the kitchen. So I was just kind of eating crap because I was hungry, but there was nothing really to eat. So I was just eating things just to make my the growl go away without actually nourishing my my body. And I was also having a very emotional day because it was the day that I announced uh, that I am closing my uh public Facebook group. So there was just a lot going on. And I thought, you know, no one ever talks about this. and No one ever shows this on social media. We just share our beautiful pictures of food that we're eating or some flowers on our walk or a cute puppy, which I do pretty frequently as well. But I just thought it was really important to also share that, look, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. And I don't think actually Really, anyone, anyone does. And so I just wanted to remind you that if you're following me on Instagram to know that I might be posting a few pictures or a few beautiful pictures over the next few weeks, but it only means that I'm posting beautiful pictures. It doesn't mean anything about if I am have it more together or if I'm better than someone else. It doesn't mean anything like that. And same goes for any other beautiful picture that you see on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or wherever you are spending time on your, um, on your social media. So just keep that in mind as you are scrolling and maybe even minimize your time that you do spend scrolling. So because it's so easy just to go down that that rabbit hole. All right. So back to today's guest. I am so excited to bring Marissa Cohen onto the show. She is an associate professor of psychology at St. Francis College in Brooklyn and is the co-founder of the Self-Awareness and Bonding Lab, which is a relationship science lab. In addition, she is the author from First Kiss to Forever, A Scientific Approach to Love, published by Open Books. And this book relates relationship science, research to everyday experiences, and real relationship issues confronted by individuals. So I don't know about you all, but I love to nerd out on these types of things. I actually had a couple of friends who worked in a relationship lab in college, and I didn't know them in college. It was afterwards, but I would always geek out with asking them, what are the statistics saying? What does the science say? What does the research say? And so I basically get to do this with Marissa for about an hour. And speaking of the science of love, I wanted to recommend one of my favorite books about dating in the modern world, and it's Aziz Ansari's Modern Romance. He writes about many of the topics that we talk about in today's episode, and he's actually working with a professor, I believe from Columbia, possibly it's NYU. Actually, I think it's NYU now that I think about it. And so he writes about many of the the research findings and the studies that he does along with his professor. So it's legit studies. And we talk about this book a little bit in the show. It is So, so good. And honestly, if you haven't read Modern Romance, it's a must read for anyone dating in the age of swiping, match, and texting. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not a dating advice book, so to speak, but it really paints a picture based on science on what the reality is like dating and kind of a little bit of it gives you some hints as to what you can do to make it work better for you. And Modern Romance isn't only informative, but in classic Aziz Ansari style, it's hilarious. 
And by the way, Aziz Ansari reads the book in the audio version of Modern Romance, making it even more entertaining. So you can download your free copy of Modern Romance with Audible when you go to audibletrial.com forward slash date yourself. Enjoy. Okay, so as you listen to today's show with Marissa, I want you to consider some of these questions. So how long do you talk to someone online before meeting them in person? Is it better to create a relationship and talk longer online? Or is it better to basically shit or get off the pot? And do you know what to look for in a potential partner? Like scientifically, what actually makes someone a potential match and what doesn't? And do you have a pattern of relationships ending after about six months or a year? And that just happens over and over again. You can't figure out why. And how well do you communicate with your partner? And not just your partner, how well do you communicate with other people in your life? And do you always wonder if this is the best match for you when you're on a date with someone? Or do you stress over if he's your soulmate? Or maybe there's someone else better than that out there for you? And you stress about how will you ever know? So if any of these questions resonate with you, then keep them in mind as we listen into my conversation with Professor Marissa Cohen. Let's get right to it. All right, we are back and I have Marissa on the show with me. Hello, Marissa. Welcome to Date Yourself Radio. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So I am so excited about this interview. I and I know everyone listening is going to love it. Um, I haven't really <clears throat> had anyone to talk about the science of love. And you're going to be schooling us on all of that stuff. And and I'm really excited about how you know, you'll be able to help us see how it like actually is tangible. Because sometimes there's really interesting ideas or advice, but you're like, ah, how does that apply to me? Or what does that mean in terms of online dating or messaging or whatever? So um, I'm really excited to um, hear what you have to, to share. Um, bef- Thank you so much. Yeah. So before we get into all of all of that good stuff, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and the work that you do, just so my audience knows who they're listening to. Sure. Um, so I am a psychology associate professor of psychology at a small liberal arts college in Brooklyn, New York. And um, I teach all sorts of different classes ranging from educational psychology, which is actually what my degree is in, mm-hmm. uh, experimental psychology, research methods, stats, and my favorite course, which is an attachment and attraction course. And um, in fall 2014, I actually co-founded a lab with uh, one of my colleagues, and it's called Sable, which is a self-awareness and bonding lab. And it's a relationship science lab that focuses on this interdisciplinary field, specifically Mm -hmm. looking at how we can make relationships thrive and survive and, and derive as much satisfaction as we can from our relationships. Interesting. So tell me, I, oh my gosh, I, I don't know where to start. It's like, just tell me everything. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's start with um, telling, tell me a little bit about the lab and what are like some of the big things that you've learned or that you've seen in the lab? Well, the really cool thing about our lab is that it's very student-centered. I work at a teaching college primarily, but students are always looking for avenues to do research. So whereas most labs that you see in a college, it's kind of, you know, one or two principal investigators, though technically I am a principal investigator, where we have our own line of research and students just kind of work on that. 
each of my students kind of carves out their own area of interest and develops their own relationship, uh, their own relationship science studies. Mm -hmm. So my specific lines of research, um, I'm actually have two lines. Uh, one of them focuses on first date experiences, which I'm really interested in, and gender differences in first dates. And the other line of research that I do is on consensual non-monogamy. So think open relationships, polyamory. Um, but honestly, at our lab, I've had students do work on online dating, on how social media can affect relationships. I've had mm -hmm. students investigate how the color red can affect our intimacy and attraction to one another. So you name it, we've done it. Okay, what does the color red do? <laughs> or what does it mean? <laughs> well, um, there's actually mixed research in that area. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole idea of the red effect. And um, a lot of research by Elliot has actually shown that people who wear red are perceived to be more attractive. And one of the studies that we actually did in our lab was we kind of took the idea of the red effect and coupled it with uh, the 36 questions to make you fall in love. I'm not sure if you remember that. It's from uh, mm -hmm. two years ago. It kind of went viral. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, remember yeah. That. From, from Arthur Aaron's uh, research. And we presented his... Um, questions. Some of his questions were intimacy or closeness generating questions. So really in-depth, um, tell me about your favorite childhood experience or tell me about your best memory versus more small talk questions mm -hmm. such as, you know, when's your birthday or what's your favorite class in school? And what we did was we presented his questions on either red paper or blue paper and we gave all of the participants a scenario, basically telling them you're about to meet uh, a new person and you want to get to know him or her better, pick five questions that you would like to start off with. And in fact, we found out that those who are presented the information on red paper wound up going for more intimate questions right off the bat. Hmm. So not only is red affecting attraction, but red can also influence our desire to solicit in intimate information for other people. Hmm. So fascinating. So fascinating. Okay. Well, that was interesting, but I want to get to, okay, let me ask you this big question. Um, what is like scientifically, like what is love? Oh, such a good question. <laughs> I wish I had an easy answer. Um, <laughs> love is, Amazing. Um, <laughs> no, mm -hmm. love actually is, I like to think of it as an umbrella term okay. uh, that consists of different types of love. Okay. The two main types, you have your passionate love and you have your companionate love. And your passionate love is, think of that wonderful honeymoon phase or that period of infatuation when you first meet your significant other, you're totally absorbed with one another, um, you know, you're kind of viewing the world and your relationship through these rose tinted glasses. Mm -hmm. Everything's wonderful. It's great. Um, you know, sexual intimacy peaks during this time as well. And it's, it's a great period in the relationship. However, um, because you're viewing the world through these rose tinted glasses, you might also miss some big red flags in the relationship. Sure. Um, and the other component to love is companionate love, which think of that like deep friendship 
And intimacy, not necessarily in the sexual sense, but intimacy in terms of total self-disclosure, commitment, and building that deep and meaningful relationship. Hmm. Okay. Um, So what does this mean for relationships? Like, do we want to have a little bit of both or is it natural to start in like the passionate love and then move to the companionate love or like what's, what's the deal with that? So that's actually a really great question. Um, most relationships, unless it's, you know, a relationship that starts off as a friendship or mm-hmm. an arranged type of marriage situation, most relationships really start out with the passionate love. Mm-hmm. And it can last anywhere from 18 plus or minus six months is what the research shows. Okay. Um, and it's a great time in the relationship. But during this period in time, if you're not building up that companionate love, if you're not building up that friendship, the minute the passion dies down, the minute that honeymoon phase is over, there's no glue holding that relationship together. And it's pretty much just doomed to end. Oh, fascinating. So does that explain like, why maybe people get into patterns of like, relationships always lasting a certain amount of time, Mm -hmm. whatever their time is, and then it ends and it's because they weren't building that companion love. Exactly. They weren't getting to, they weren't like letting their guard down, getting to ask all of those important questions, um, really understanding one another at a deeper level. Interesting. That makes so much sense. And I, and I'm so glad that now like science like actually backs up like (laughs) (laughs) why this, why this happens. And so then, you know, then it sounds like if that's a pattern for you, then, you know, and, and you're unable to like let your guard down or be intimate with someone or be vulnerable with someone. I mean, that sounds like that would be like kind of like a red flag for you to like, oh, okay, so this is an issue. Like this is something I want to work on in myself to get out of that pattern. Would that be, would that be correct? Exactly. Yes. Cool. Man, we're getting so much done in this, in this interview already. <laughs> I mean, not, only, not only that, but you know, um, a question that I always have people ask me after I give like a guest lecture is, you know, how long should I wait before getting engaged? And how long should I wait before getting married? Mm-hmm. I wish that there was like a simple answer. Um, there really isn't because it's, there's so many different variables, you know, um, who you are, who the other person is, how compatible you truly are. But I would definitely, you know, throw caution out to people that rushing into a relationship too quickly um, when you're still maybe in that honeymoon phase, mm-hmm. um, could be problematic. Cause again, you are really missing any potential red flags. And if they are showing themselves, you're kind of disregarding them. So mm-hmm. it's, it's important to really be with a person long enough to really get a sense of who they are and see them with clear eyes. Mm, yeah. Let me ask you if the reverse is true, because I find sometimes a lot of women are, they've been burned so many times or so skeptical or so scared that it almost seems like they almost want to go straight to the companion love. And there's not any, they're like, they're not allowing any room for like passion because they're just so hyper aware of like, where are the red flags? Like, what is he going to do that's going to mess everything up? Or is he lying? Is he cheating? So something like that happen? Uh, definitely. Um, and it sounds like in the case that you're kind of describing, it's almost like people are experiencing some sort of like transference from one relationship to the next. Mm. And, you know, maybe they had like a really bad experience. Someone might've cheated on them. So because of that in the new relationship, they might constantly be questioning this new person or they like really have their guard up. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's important not to carry the past into the new relationship and, 
hold this new person up to not necessarily an unfair standard, but like judge them more harshly based upon a previous experience. Um, and it's really important to also like infuse passion into the relationship as well. Mm -hmm, Uh, just so it pretty much doesn't get stale. Um, Mm -hmm. you don't want to emotionally disengage from one another. Right. Right. So what makes a relationship um, I mean, are you at a point where like you could watch, look at a relationship and say, oh, they're going to make it or no, they're not going to make it? Oh, man. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish I could sure, do that. Sure, sure. <laughs> if, if I could do that, I, w- I think I would save a lot of uh, my friends a lot of grief. <laughs> sure. Um, so like, what do you, what do you, um, like, what makes a relationship work? Because my assumption is that there needs to be more than love or does love conquer all scientifically? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I'll actually like, I'm going to take the previous question and this question because okay. while I, I can't uh, predict whether or not a relationship is doomed to fail, um, there are some amazing researchers out there. Uh, for example, uh, Dr. John Gottman. Yeah, I know who, about him. <laughs> yeah, like who works with Julie Gottman. I mean, he essentially, and for social science research, it's, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, he can essentially, from his research, predict divorce with over 90% accuracy, which is, which is unheard of. Um, and a lot of it, you know, has to do with, and this was kind of like my answer to your second question. It has to do with like the way you communicate with one another. Mm. Um, you know, conflict is inevitable in any relationship because you are two different people from two different walks of life. And even if you're compatible in your values and your viewpoints and attitudes, you're still two different people. And problems will arise over the course of your relationship. And it's mm-hmm. it's how you deal with them that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, having open, honest communications. And, you know, anecdotally, um, I do see that my friends who tend to censor themselves and hold things back because they're too worried about how their significant other is going to perceive them, those relationships don't really last that long because they're not – they're not sharing their true self. They're not having honest communications. Both people are kind of like walking on eggshells around one, one another. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I totally get that. And I was listening to another podcast earlier and, and it was, I forget who it was, but it was like another relationship expert. And he was talking about how there's like the, like the red cardinal theory like someone one person in the relationship's like oh look honey there's a beautiful red cardinal outside the window and is the other person like oh whatever and like still on his phone or whatever or does he go like oh cool that's beautiful or like oh cool a red cardinal babe (laughs) (laughs) and and I don't know I think he was saying like you need like 70% of time like to have that be like a positive response or like a positive interaction for a healthy relationship. I don't know if there's an actual number. So yeah, the number is actually, um, in order just to maintain a relationship, just Mm -hmm. maintain one, not even happy, uh, positives have to outweigh the negatives by five to one. Oh, wow. And that's just to maintain a relationship for a happy relationship, 10 to one. Wow. So, um, (laughs) it's, it's really, really, you know, one negative thing. If you just like, you know, we get frustrated with our significant others. It's, it's always, it's inevitably going to happen. And one passing comment, one tiny little negative passing comment, that's something that far outweighs a lot of positives and it really sticks in your mind. So it's really Mm -hmm. important to focus on that balance. Wow. 
That's crazy. I think I had heard the five to one, but it's actually, that's just to maintain a relationship. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. I never heard the 10 to one thing. That's, that's, um, that's fascinating. So, um, so then, okay. Like, let's say someone, I mean, I don't know. I don't think you give, I know you wrote a book and which you can talk about, but, um, I don't think that you give like coaching or advice, like, you know, in the way that I do, I could be wrong. Um, right. So like, but what advice would you give to someone? Like what, like what should they look for when they're either looking, browsing through guys on, on online dating or on dates or even in the relationship that they're in? Like what, what are things to look for both that are good and bad, I guess. A couple of things that I always suggest, um, you know, to look at the different factors of interpersonal attraction. Um, and one of them is, you know, contrary to popular belief, it's not opposites attract. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, people are always telling me, yeah, well, if, if we're too similar, the relationship's going to get boring over time. And, you know, yeah, over time, the arousal and the excitement may start to wane. So it's always helpful if, you're constantly pushing one another to grow and kind of expand your horizons. However, when it comes down to things like core values, your beliefs, it's really important that those align. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, think if one person's very, very religious and the other person's not religious at all, that's something that might be problematic. Um, If someone's very politically conservative and the other one's liberal, that's something that might be problematic. It's Mm -hmm. about your, you know, your view of the world. That really needs to come into play and they need to align. Um, Something else that I I also think is really, really important is, and this is something that you advocate for all the time, you know, with with dating yourself, Mm -hmm. is also getting to know yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Understanding who you are as a person before looking for a significant other. And, you know, it's important that you're at a place where we're always going to change, we're, we're constantly evolving, but if you both know who you are as individuals, then you can grow together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, asking yourself, what do you want out of life? And then in, early, in the early part of the relationship, posing those same questions to your partner. How important are kids? Um, you know, discuss finances because that's something that often can lead to a lot of tension and arguments within a relationship. Mm -hmm. So even though some of these conversations might be difficult, they're important to have early on in a relationship. Yeah. How, how early, early on are we talking? (laughs) I wouldn't go for them on the first date. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you would pretty much scare someone off. That's a little bit too much too soon. Um, there's really no hard, fast rule, sure. but I would say at the point when you know that you are committed to one another and you've uh, defined the relationship, um, then it's really important to discuss long-term goals mm-hmm. and you know what you're both looking for. Yeah, yeah. I, I find a lot of people um, uh, procrastinate on having those conversations because they're like, oh gosh, this could be a deal breaker for the relationship. And they just, it's scary and it just brings up a lot. And I mean, even my, in my own relationship, like we procrastinate on having a lot of conversations until, you know, we are, we are like already a year, year and a half in and it's scary, but it's, Oh, I completely agree. Those conversations (laughs) can be really scary to have. And it's kind of like, I don't want to sound so negative about it, but 
it's going to surface one way or another. Yeah. So it's better off to just get them over with. Yeah. And, you know, the farther down the road you get and then if you find out that you just – you're completely different people, you're potentially wasting each other's time as mm-hmm. well as time that you might need to find someone who's better suited for you and would make you happier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you just heard that. I'm recording with my windows open and it's windy, so the door just slams. So everyone listening, <laughs> we're, we're all good. We're all, we're all fine here. Um, I kind of want to, I want to switch gears a little bit too. So we've been talking about some relationships and I want to hear a little bit more about maybe the science of attraction or in a second, but I think talking about first dates can, um, help us get there. And I know that's one of your, mm-hmm. your main focuses of study. So, um, I'm just going to just kind of just tell us about it. Like what, what do you see? What have you learned from your research? So I love studying first dates and I, I love, and you kind of mentioned it before. I love any type of applied research because mm-hmm. if, you know, if something is abstract, while it might be interesting, it's like, well, how can this actually help me in my everyday life? Mm-hmm. And I try to do things that won't only help our relationships, but our friendships, as well as like my first date um, research is really all about other people's perceptions of your behaviors, uh, verbal and nonverbal. So it can even help you, you know, being more aware of what you're communicating to others can even help you on things like an interview. So I think it's like really great applied research and, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a way, online dating is kind of changing. It's not changing relationships in and of themselves, but it's changing the courtship process mm-hmm. because we know so much more about the other person before we even sit down with them on the first date. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of those uh, exchanges, like where you're from and what are your interests, those are done through early email exchanges. So by the time you approach a first date, in a lot of cases, um, you, you know a person to an extent. And, you know, contrary to popular belief, um, first dates are really, really important because it's a pivotal time in which you're trying to express interest in the other person to let them know, I want to pursue this, as well as you're looking for signals, sometimes, you know, searching for signs to figure out, is this person into me? And, um, you know, a lot of my early research kind of focused on do we tend to fall into gender stereotypical patterns? And um, full disclosure, uh, my early research, it focused on um, heterosexual couples. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I didn't have a large enough sample of same-sex couples to include mm-hmm. them. Oh, I'm currently trying to replicate my results at the moment. And, you know, I did see that we do tend to fall into these gender stereotypical patterns. So for example, um, women view a date as more successful and they view that they, they will assume that the date is more, their partner is more into them when the man offers to pay. So they're still waiting for, you know, men to be chivalrous, to offer to pay. Um, they also view a date as being very successful and, uh, when the when the man uh, offers to extend the evening. So, for example, if you just plan to meet up for drinks and then after drinks, 
the guy suggests, you know, let's go for a walk or do you want to go see a movie or let's go grab dinner? Mm -hmm. Then it's really a clear signal. Okay. He's into me. Mm -hmm. Um, women really want men to follow up and follow up quickly. Yeah. So calling within a few hours to schedule the second date, um, they really don't want that whole like limbo kind of waiting. They don't want to be kept guessing. Mm -hmm. Think that um, men are really looking for, which is interesting, is that men will assume that the woman is more attracted to them when she starts to steer the conversation to sex. So they're looking for women to kind of let their guard down during the date. And what's interesting is that a big mismatch is while women are waiting for the men to pay, men are waiting for women to offer to split the cost of the meal or the drinks or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So it's almost kind of like when the check comes, you wind up in a stalemate because the men want to see if the women are going to offer to pay. The women are waiting Mm -hmm. to see if the men are going to offer to pay. And it kind of becomes problematic. I've I've heard that men want women to offer to pay, but they don't still want to pay, but they want to, but yeah, but they don't actually want them to pay. Yeah. 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 But at least the <laughs> offer, because it's kind of like signaling, you know, I'm generous, right. but what we tend to see like on the whole, my research has shown is that women do tend to be the pickier sex. They are reading more from the men's cues, um, their behaviors. If he's going in for the hug versus shaking her hand. Um, if he's, you know, how quickly he's going to initiate that second date, how quickly he's going to respond to her texts if she decides to reach out to him. Men tend to be a lot more laid back when it comes to interpreting the signals. Mm, okay. I can see how that can be a communi- communication mix match. I want to go back to the, the sex thing because, I mean, that does come up a lot. So does that mean, you know, what if a woman doesn't really want to talk about sex or doesn't is not interested in going in that direction anytime soon like is she just doomed to have unsuccessful dates because I feel like I didn't talk about sex the first few dates with people when I was dating but right and that's definitely not something that I ever did Mm -hmm. um it's it's not a conversation that I would think personally for me I'm not comfortable having a conversation about sex early mm-hmm. on in the relationship. Sure. Um, and something that I like always tell people from my research, it's not necessarily to say, okay, this is what men are looking for in this particular study. So this is how you have to change your behavior accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, this was a sample of, I believe it was 390 people. Uh, and the study was conducted last year. And, you know, if the conversation of sex does come up, um, men kind of view that as, oh, she must be interested. She must be attracted to me. Got it. If this is something that you're not comfortable with, definitely don't go there because right. you don't want to do anything on a first date that you feel isn't a good representation of who you are. Mm, got it. Got it. Okay. So based on your research, do you have like a couple of tips for women going on dates to make a good impression and you know, hope to get the second date and also to get to know the person genuinely to see if it could be a good match for her. What's really interesting is that both my research as well as other research shows, uh, the most successful dates are where the conversation is aligned very much on the women. So women view a conversation on the first date that's focused more on them as successful and Mm -hmm. men also view a date where they're talking mostly about the women as successful. Um, 
which is something that I didn't really realize before looking into the literature and conducting my own study, because I feel like a lot of times, um, you know, our culture kind of tells us, you know, women should be, you know, more subdued and almost kind of wait for the men to take the lead. Mm-hmm. And this isn't the case. Um, women should feel comfortable talking, should feel comfortable sharing, um, initiating conversation topics. So go ahead, talk, enjoy yourself. Um, and also, uh, like I was kind of saying before, getting down to Im- topics that are important to you, which help you kind of figure out if the person that you're on a date with shares similarities to you. And then in that case, is a good match. So mm-hmm. if you're a dog lover, talk about animals, talk about your pets. Mm-hmm. If um, you really love the outdoors, talk about the outdoors, talk about hiking. You know, really get to, don't try to impress the other person. Mm-hmm. Focus on what you view as important. And then this way, you're not dating someone to try to secure the second date. You're... Mm-hmm just as much trying to figure out if this is a person worth pursuing for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. Cause that's, that's, you know, there's a lot of dating advice people on on the internet and it's like, yeah, sure. You could send that text and maybe get a second date, but it's like, it's not the right person. Who cares? You're just wasting your time. Don't waste your time. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I mean, technically I could tell you, you know, say this, this and wear the color red, but no, I mean, it doesn't work work like that. It's as much as like, you're both kind of interviewing each other. You're getting to know if you're, you're good match. Right. 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 Is there, um, I, I, a couple of years ago watched the documentary the science of attraction or the science of sex appeal maybe that's what it's called um i don't know if you're familiar. no actually it's, it's pretty good i would I recommend anyone yeah let's definitely check that out yeah so i was just wondering if you um uh had any insight to like what the science of just like physical attraction is like when you see someone um like like what makes us attracted to people or attractive well, to people, other than the color red. <laughs> <laughs> other than the color red. Um, what's actually really interesting is there's something known as neotenous features. And neotenous features are essentially baby-like features, which kind of um, bring out almost this like caretaker kind of instinct in us. Like, oh, you're so cute. I want to be close to you. I want to take care of you. And What's really interesting is a lot of those features that babies have um, are what really, really attractive or what we view, society views of as attractive women also have. So think like big eyes, large protruding forehead. Um, an example that kind of like jumps to mind right away is like Angelina Jolie mm. and, and her her characteristics. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're like, and also if you kind of think about the way that we apply makeup, it's usually to accentuate the eyes, make the eyes larger, to accentuate the lips, um, even with like contouring to, um, you know, accentuate the cheekbones. Hmm. So we're kind of like subconsciously highlighting these features that as women that men tend to view as attractive on us. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I never thought of it, never thought of it that way, but that's, that's fascinating. Um, so when you said something else that was really interesting and 
I had read about this concept in um, uh, Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari. That's um, such a great book. It's so good. It's it's. I learned a lot from from that book. And for everyone listening, all the books and links and stuff that we're talking about will be in the show notes, so you can grab that after you listen. Um, but one thing he did say, and, I, and you alluded to, and I kind of just want to um, pick your brain about it a little bit, is um, this idea that we know so much more about someone before we even get onto the date. And so then we've created stories and judgments around this. And so I, I have to think, like, in my mind, that it's actually a crutch to have this information. But I just kind of wanted to hear what your take, like, what are the pros and cons of like, online dating and now knowing all this stuff before you even meet the person? <laughs> um, well, uh, full disclosure, I met my husband off an online dating site. Which so, one? <laughs> J-Date. Oh, nice. So so I am a huge proponent of online dating because I guess I would consider myself a success story. Um, something that I just want to share is that I personally don't believe that any one site is better than the other. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you have to be lucky enough to meet the person that is your match and both of you have to be on the same site at the same time and not otherwise committed to anyone else or in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So I think that all sites can be useful. I mean, there's definitely different types of sites, some that are, you know, like eHarmony where there's tons of questions more involved versus like a Tinder site where it tends to just almost be like a game and swiping left and swiping mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, the pros, and again, I don't think that online dating is changing relationships. I don't think that it's making marriages any more or less successful. Uh, research goes both ways. Some studies have shown that those who meet on through online dating have happier marriages. Some have shown that they have less happier marriages. It all depends upon your sample. Mm-hmm. Um, what it is changing is it's changing the nature of the game. Mm-hmm. And we are going into these dates with so much more information, which if you think about it, while it's helpful to kind of have some background, you know, what if there's like one negative thing that's just kind of lingering out there online? So for yeah. example, I'm a, I'm a professor. Someone theoretically could have checked my rate, my professor review, which I hope they didn't, but I mean, <laughs> I'm sure they're fine, but <laughs> I actually don't check them myself. But you know, there's always, there's so much information that lives out there on the internet. And one negative thing is so much more likely to stick out in another person's mind. And I would hope it isn't the case that, you know, they see something, of course, if, if it's a major issue, but if it's a one little tiny negative thing that that doesn't completely color a person's beliefs about that individual. So mm-hmm. they kind of like write them off before even meeting them. So I have a, a story about this because I did this and I've talked about this before on the podcast. So if anyone's listening or been listening a while, you probably heard this. But when I was online dating before I met Stevie and I met Stevie through a friend, but I was online dating when I met him. And I was scrolling through, I, I used OkCupid, so I was scrolling through profiles. And I went to the University of North Carolina, UNC, so mm-hmm. big basketball, Tar Heel fan. And I was looking at this profile, and this guy seemed great, and he was cute, and like like all the boxes, whatever, because I was using a perfect man list back then. And, um, <laughs> and I was like really into him. And then he said something about Duke basketball. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, nope, not even going to message him. And like, it's ridiculous. I mean, I even knew that it was ridiculous. Like, I even consciously knew, like, this is absurd. But I was also like, I don't care. He's a Duke basketball fan. Like, I 
Um, and, and, but it's like, if I had met him out just, you know, in quote unquote real life or whatever, and we had hit it off and then gone a few dates and then it came up that he had gone to Duke or was a Duke basketball fan. Like it could have just been like a fun thing that we kind of flirted about like, Oh, like we're a mixed marriage. Like he's a Duke fan. I'm a Carolina fan, you know, like, (laughs) like they have flags like that. Like when you, you know, you hang out your sports teams thing in the front of your house like they have that UNC (laughs) and I think I think that's totally funny and I've definitely look I'm we're you know a mixed uh couple here I'm a Mets fan he's a Yankees fan so (laughs) I mean both New York teams and we like baseball but you know still um it's true I think that like organically had that come you know about and you like met this person at a bar or something it would have been like oh great we both love college basketball and we're gonna watch March Madness together every year Mm -hmm. we'll do our brackets it'll be exciting and it probably would have been kind of like a funny thing but because Mm -hmm. you have this you know almost like this profile where it kind of you know, gives every little detail. Sometimes it's almost just too much information. It's Mm -hmm. overload. So people can pick that one thing and they're like, nope, doesn't meet every single criteria, like every little checkbox. So I can write that person off. So almost too much information is a bad thing. And not only too much information about only one person, but too many choices in general. Um, There's this Mm -hmm. idea of like paradox of choice. Yeah. When there's like too much. So like, the best example I can give is, um, remember the days before Seamless and Grubhub and all that kind of stuff, and if you wanted food delivery, you were pretty much either just calling like Chinese food takeout or you were going to call pizza. So if I said, what do you want for dinner, it's really easy. You pick between the two. Mm-hmm. Now my husband and I can pretty much stare at our Seamless app if we don't know what we want for dinner for like 45 minutes because there's like, you know a hundred different restaurants all within a 10 block radius that pop up and like too much choice is over, over is a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. And a lot of these sites, especially the swipe based sites like Tinder, because there's so much choice, people are a lot of times always looking for the next best thing or holding these people up to these standards because they're like, well, there's 500 people out there on the site. I can keep swiping until I find someone that, you know, checks off every little box. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, it's um I was also thinking of the like the jam study. <laughs> like at um farmers markets when there's like 20 jams versus like yep. three jams, like the people that have just three jams to sample, like they sell more jam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cuz it's just like too overwhelming. I like them all. I really can't decide. All right, you know what? Forget it. I don't even need this jam. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you what do you do? Like do you just do less online dating, like spend less time. So you literally are giving yourself less choices on, and is there any way to avoid being like, basically like a victim to that? They call that benching now, like, Oh, you're just getting on the bench until whatever. But like, is, I mean, what can we do about it? I think take online dating for what it is. And I think that it's a wonderful opportunity to meet people whose paths you otherwise would not have crossed. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're all so busy between our jobs and our social lives that, you know, when we go out with our friends, we're not necessarily always looking for someone in every environment that we're in. So mm-hmm. it's really great to have this opportunity to connect with others. And I think it's really important to not get involved in pen pal relationships, which mm-hmm. so many people are doing. It's a couple of exchanges back and forth, set up a date. Because the only real way, 
like as much as I would like to say we're all presenting our our authentic selves in our online dating profiles, we're not. Mm-hmm. We're all presenting our best selves. It's like when you go to an interview, you know, you're trying to give a certain impression so you're going to get the job. So everyone's presenting their best self online and the only way you're going to find out the truth and find out if you're really compatible is meeting them in person face to face. Yeah. So, you know, filter the filter the profiles based upon your non-negotiables. If you're someone who's really religious and you want to filter by a religion, that's totally your choice and go ahead and do it if it's something that's important to you. Mm -hmm. If you want to filter within a certain age range, go ahead and do that. Like everyone has certain things they know are absolutely non-negotiable. But other than that, a couple of exchanges, meet the person in person and then really see how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. I always used to say, should I get off the pot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. And for people who are, you know, really crunched with time or especially for single moms who are dating, I know you said in person, but can you kind of cut corners a little bit? Like if you don't want to necessarily like spend your one free night that you don't have the kids or like have to pay a babysitter to go meet someone within five minutes, you know, it's like, oh, there's no really connection here. Like, can you get away with doing a phone call or even a Skype call? If if it's impossible to meet the person in person, I that's a good way to go. Stay mm-hmm. away from texting. Stay away from yeah. texting. Stay away from emailing because we all know um, our true and you might read someone's text incorrectly. What might be playful sarcasm can sometimes come off as being very mean. So (laughs) what we're trying to communicate might not get across appropriately. So if you're just, you know, going for that initial meeting, definitely have a conversation on the phone. Um, I know a lot of people because we're so not used to using the phone anymore because everything can be done from our, you know, having a phone conversation voice Mm -hmm. to voice. Right. Um, it, it, you know, it could be something that a lot of people are apprehensive about, but it's important because you want to make sure that the person you're talking to is actually the person that you're talking to and that they're not having someone else write their messages for them. And you can kind of get a better sense of their personality that way. Sure. Sure. So then based on, um, you know, knowing too much about someone person, um, potentially before a date, I know you said it doesn't matter what site you use, but in terms of just thinking about them more broadly, do you think it's more beneficial to use something like Match or OkCupid where there's like a full profile or something more like in the Tinder or Bumble style? I mean, I wish I can say that, you know, according to science, this is what you should do. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, even though I consider myself a a research scientist, Mm -hmm. it does come down to luck. I mean, we can't completely operationalize and and define love and study it completely because it is some luck. So it has to be where you never know whose path path you're going to cross on what site. But that being said... Um, I am a huge fan for those who are seriously dating, looking for a commitment, looking for a partner, um, to use sites that do have profiles. And the reason for this is, you know, sites like OkCupid, I also used OkCupid. It's a wonderful site. Um, Christian Rudder, the founder of OkCupid, is a math scientist from Harvard. And, you know, he developed an algorithm. So basically, when they give you those percentages of matches, it's based upon your answer, the other person's answers, 
as well as like what you guys have in common based upon your profile. So take the site seriously and answer as many questions as possible. I know a lot of people tend to just want to throw their picture up, go through other pictures and just start communicating. Take the time to do the quizzes, do the polls, fill out the profiles, as much information as you're comfortable giving because this way when they do give you like this percentage of a match, it's based on some real information that you're providing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess, but all the sites have some sort of um, algorithm, correct? Mm-hmm. I mean, at least like the sites that have a lot of information where you can give a lot of information like Match and eHarmony and things like that, right? Yeah. And some, you know, OkCupid is like very transparent with their algorithm. If you go on their website, you can actually read about, about it. Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Some sites really aren't. Um, you know, Christian Rudder, he like he he releases. I mean, he does his own with his OKCupid team. They do a lot of data science about um, what people are looking for in profile pictures. You know, one of the things that I was actually reading, which I thought was very funny, is that we tend to you know think like, oh, you know, guys that post those ab selfies, like that's so terrible. And in fact, his research shows that they actually are not as bad as we think. Mm-hmm. And um, people who do post ab selfies, males are actually getting quite a bit of hits <laughs> and tend to do tend to do pretty well on those sites. Right. So they always release a lot of um, interesting studies based upon the data collected off their site. Interesting. I should look and in, look into that. I'm just kind of curious. Like they might be getting a lot of hits, but I wonder, like, what kind of guys they are. They right. are. What's the success of the relationship after? I mean, and also if you yeah. think about it, it's it's confounded because chances are the people who are posting pictures of their abs have abs worth posting pictures of or is what they perceive, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, I, I love this. So, okay, to wrap up the interview, I want to ask you about soulmates. So, like, Ken, is there really just, like, one person that's out there for everyone or, like, can love and a healthy long-term relationship, whether you call it a relationship or marriage, like, can that, can that happen with like a number of different people with the, not the same time, obviously, but Uh, do you know what I mean? Well, okay. So, um, that's such a great question. While I think that soulmates, it's such like a wonderful, beautiful thing. And you want to say like, Oh, my partner is my soulmate. Um, I think the idea of soulmates can be very, very detrimental. Um, people might always, again, this can be, well, is this person really my soulmate? Maybe I should wait to find the one who is the one. Mm. Um, and I think that as we, as we grow, as we learn to understand ourselves better, we have many loves throughout our life and our, our concept, our definition of love is refined with time. You know, um, in, in some cases, hindsight might be twenty twenty. and you might say, oh, I thought that was love, but it was just infatuation. But in other mm-hmm. cases, we did love someone, but then we realize that as we grow, this person is someone that you could no longer love. It is no longer right for you. Mm-hmm. So then your definition of love changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think that the idea of a soulmate can be detrimental And it's just really important to find the person who you feel is a wonderful match, um, helps you grow as a person who will grow with you and where you can both enhance each other's lives. Yeah. And then that is a wonderful person for you. And if we 
a lot of a lot of our views about love, I think, are very corrupted by, you know, like film and the media. And if we're always like waiting for someone to, um, you know, come by with a big flash mob and then propose to us. I mean, <laughs> that's not really how the world works. So we want to be happy with with the people that we are with and, and really know that we are in an open love, uh, an open, kind, loving relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I, I think the idea of this, of soulmates is, is so problematic and it's, I think it really holds a lot of women back and, and it also leaves them in a lot of just anxiety of like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about him. Like, is this the one? And you just put so much freaking pressure on yourself. You can't even, when you put that much pressure on yourself, you can't access your emotions. I know. And- Do you know how many people <laughs> I have, uh, my friends who have met their significant others online, and mm-hmm. then now everyone's always like worried about like the engagement story, the engagement story. When you ask how I met my husband, I say, J-Date, you know, I've yeah. met him off a website. It's fine. But I know a lot of people who have like concocted these stories because they're so uncomfortable because they're like, oh, it's not a romantic storybook you know, ending, it's not about how you met. Um, yeah. It's about the life that you build together. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and I mean, we can go on a tangent about this, I'm sure. But, <laughs> but like, we just put so much emphasis, I think, on the wrong things like, hey, yeah, like the storybook proposal or the storybook, how you met each other. And then like, the picture perfect marriage. But it's like, wait, remember, marriage is like actually living together and like doing life together. <laughs> Marriage is work. And it's Marriage not just about the wedding or... Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it sometimes I think can be just like a good dose of a reality check, you know, and just being okay with discomfort. And just because there's discomfort in your relationship or there's tension or you're, you know, arguing about something, like, doesn't mean that like, it's, it's not right or it's not the right Arguing is going to happen. It's yeah. how you argue that matters. Yeah. Like we're going to, we're going to experience conflict at some point or another. Definitely. Definitely. Man, we could do, I'm sure we could even just go on about <laughs> communication right now, but maybe we'll have you on the show again. Cause I'm pretty sure everyone's going to love um, hearing this episode. So oh my gosh, I would love to come back. <laughs> yeah, that would be so much fun. We'll, we'll, we'll try to make that happen. So um, before I let you go, just a couple more questions. So I know you have a book. Um, so tell us the name of the book, where you can find it and also where people can find you on the internet. Okay, great. Um, so my book was released uh, last December. And it is from first kiss to forever, a scientific approach to love. And my publisher is Open Books, so you can get it directly from the publisher, but it's also available on Barnes & Noble or Amazon in awesome. both paperback and Kindle. And it's basically a collection of stories and, and research about relationships from their, the beginning um, throughout you know, long lasting and loving relationships, as well as discussing things like breaking up and infidelity and bereavement. And it's basically just looking at the science behind relationships, but in a really easy to digest format. So you do not need to be a scientist to understand this book. And the thing that I love most about it is that every single chapter ends with actual take home tips and questions and ways that you can infuse the information into your everyday fr- uh, relationships and friendships. Awesome. I love that. I'm going to check it out myself. So thank, thank you, you. For, for sharing. And then um, do you have like a website or a blog or anyone where anyone can see your research or 
Yes. So um, my lab website is actually on um, the St. Francis College website, but it's www.sfc for St. Francis College, sfc.edu backslash Sable, S-A-B-L for Self-Awareness and Bonding Lab. Um, I don't update the website as much as I probably should because I'm (laughs) way more active on Facebook. So if you search self-awareness and bonding lab on Facebook, you will get the lab website, uh, the lab Facebook page. And we're always posting surveys, opportunities to get involved with research remotely online. Um, And if you search Marissa T. Cohen on Facebook, you will find my author page and I'm posting things about my talks, my appearances, webinars, as well as other really cool ways to get involved with relationship science. Cool. So like both pages. Yeah, we'll put all of those links in the show notes, everyone listening. So um, you can go just tap the I, the the podcast and your podcast player and then all the links will hyperlink and you can go on a clicking frenzy. Um, <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. <laughs> so my last question that I always ask my guests is what is your favorite way to treat yourself? <sighs> to treat myself? Um, I would say relaxing at the end of a long day with a nice glass of wine. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a whiny too. <laughs> what kind of wine do you like? <laughs> um, anything red, I'm a cab drinker, so anything red, I love it. Wine tasting, you know, if I've had a really hard week uh, because I'm in Brooklyn, I will try to go to the Long Island wineries Uh to just unwind, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy the wine, and just, you know, it's important to take a few hours to just decompress and de-stress. I love that. Um, I'm, I'm more of a white wine, but I do love going to wineries myself. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for an amazing conversation. Um, I know this has got a lot of people's minds turning and thinking about different ways to approach relationships and especially, um, first dates and online dating. And, um, I just, I just, I'm so grateful that you were able to come and chat with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I had a wonderful time. Thank you for listening to Date Yourself Radio. I love hearing from you, so please post your comments or questions at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive free coaching with me in an upcoming episode or submit your question. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe to it in iTunes. I would also be so grateful if you left a review since that helps me share the power of dating yourself with more women. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be a part of my community at veronicagrant.com. Until next week, here's to treating yourself the way you want to be treated. Much love and happy dating. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food 
food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us. Call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.